All right. Hello, everyone. This is going to be episode two of a little new series called the Bandmasters Podcast Side Note Series. And uh, the intention of this is to hopefully provide you with some information and motivation of things that you could do right now as a uh, artist uh, or, or musician at home. Uh, so I am broadcasting uh, live or pre-recorded, whatever you want to say, from uh, my basement right now, if you couldn't uh, tell by the rafters there. <laughs> and uh, we've got uh, two guests with us today that uh, very excited to, to have. And um, my uh, one guest is Mr. Stephen Piter, who's our choir director over at Joliet Central High School and also a recently uh, published uh, composer. Hi, Steve. Hello, sir. Hello, gentlemen. Jermaine wins for coolest background. <laughs> and then we also have uh, Jermaine Stiegel, who is a uh, Joliet Central alum and uh, is a, a composer out in L.A. right now. And uh, Jermaine, we've, uh, we've, of course, worked together earlier this year when you wrote a piece for the Joliet Central Band. So, And, and both of you, I should say, were on our, our concert back on uh, November 17th. We had Steve's piece, Tempest Modus, available at all major oh, music oh. publishing. Thank you, for the, thank you for the plug. Yeah, he, he did win for being up. published and available. <laughs> it just happened to happen. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, thanks again for uh, agreeing to uh, record with me here. And I, I prepped both of you for this interview, or maybe I didn't prep you. And I, I basically said the goal of this is I'm hoping after we get done with this is that um, people could kind of hear about your composition process. And maybe if they are so inclined uh, at home to maybe dabble in composing a little bit or at least understand what it might take to uh, compose. So, Steve, if you wouldn't mind if we started with you. And uh, again, my big question is, is how do you compose music? But uh, let's start actually a little bit more so with how did you start composing music and when? Um, I heard Julie Giroux speak at Midwest this uh, last December, and she was talking about how when she started, she had to make her own paper. And I did the same thing, but the difference was she, um, with the paper she made, she wrote pieces that every publisher wanted to publish. Um, <laughs> and I, I presented it to like grandma on like DuckTales paper <laughs> that eventually probably got, I don't know, used for wastebasket liner or something like that. Um, but, but I started, I started doing, um, arranging first. Uh, so I was big into, you know, high school band and I started arranging for, um, solo and then brass quintet, eventually bands. Um, a lot of time in college I spent in computer labs playing around with and learning finale and eventually Sibelius, which I still use now. Um, so let me interrupt you. I'm sorry. Because, yeah. And this is why I'm so glad I'm talking to you, too, because my original intention was let's get people maybe composing. And then the first thing you go to is you say arranging, which makes more sense. Yep. So can you tell maybe somebody listening that hasn't done this before? Can you tell someone what arranging is? Um, it's just taking music that already exists and, and changing uh, who it's being played for. So maybe taking a, a piece of piano music, something by WC and arranging it for, for brass quintet. Okay. And you, and, and would you think that that maybe would be a good place for somebody that wants to dabble in composing to, to start with? I, I think studying music 
in, in general, getting little you know, miniature Dover scores, things like that, um, and just looking at what, other, at what other people do is great. And then, yeah, not having to have the idea in your head, having somebody else's idea that you can play with is a nice jumping off point, especially when you're just getting started. Because the blank page can be so scary. That's the that's often the hardest part, right? So if you let somebody else give you the idea and then you're focusing more on craft, um, you can start to play with some things with a little less pressure of having to come up with every single note on your own. So let's let's go to the blank page then. And and I and I'd love it if we could actually maybe touch on arranging a little bit later from from both of you. But you know, as you said, you you dabble in some arranging. Where does the composition part come in? In the arranging process, or when did I start? Oh, I'm sorry, composing? for you, when do you start composing? Um, I started composing in college, and I, I wrote a lot for years, and honestly didn't really, I never I never sent anything out there. And it was mostly because I was just terrified and never thought that anything was ready for anybody else to hear. So I would start a project and work on it, and sometimes get real close to feeling like I was done. And just go, you know, it's that's just that's not ready. I'm going to put that on the shelf for a little while. And I and I did that for years. And eventually, sent a couple of things out to publishers um, and got no's back. Um, and within the last year, I submitted a, a couple of new things and a few things that I had gone back and tweaked. And uh, within about a month's time, I got uh, responses back from publishers that they were interested in picking up all six submissions that I had. Uh, submitted last summer. So, but that took me a long time to get to a point where I felt even comfortable sending my stuff out. And so, and just so everybody out there knows too, um, I, I think it's great. I'm talking with both of you because Steve, you primarily focus on concert band music, correct? Yeah, I, I like basically concert music is great for me because my full time job is teaching, and so I don't have tons of free time throughout the school. So when I have a little bit of a break and I just have some leisure time to sit down and write, I can do that. And I'm not racing against any kind of deadlines, which I'm sure Jermaine does frequently. Um, so, so I generally can be work pretty autonomously and at my own leisure. And I don't have to collaborate really with anybody else. I, I haven't done any commissions or anything like that yet. Um, so it's just me at my convenience, which is probably totally different from what Jermaine is doing. Sure. And I want to come back to later on the the kind of how, like we can maybe help people at the end, uh, maybe take that first step into what they want to do um, with this. Jermaine, same question there. And in fact, how, you know, same thing, how do we get into uh, composing and, 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 you know, maybe a little brief history of you and, and how you started everything? I think Stephen was... I'm glad that he said that because I probably wouldn't have. It's like I, I wish I'd have thought of that arranging idea because I think <laughs> like, to be honest, you know, Quincy Jones uh, and John Williams come to mind as two people that did a ton. I mean, John Williams, most people know his work in film and television, composing mostly film. But, you know, I think where he, you know, it's a known thing for folks that are fans of his. Um, they know that he was in the, uh, I believe it was the army band. Um, and was an arranger. Like he was a staff arranger for either the army band or the Marine band for, for years and years. He was in the, in the military is where he kind of developed the chops to work quickly and to work, 
you know, in, in many different kinds of, you know, the large scale form um, in terms of a giant group, you know, that he'd be playing for or writing for and, and um, arranging was a thing that he did. He wasn't writing original composition for them. Um, and then also, of course, Quincy Jones with a lot of the jazz, you know, the background that he had um, being someone that was a ranger. That was definitely something that I always knew in the back of my mind is probably a good idea to consider that. And to be honest, you know, around the time that I started wanting to actually get interested in film music around 1995, specifically, which was the year I went to college um, as a freshman, um, I... Um, I uh, started to uh, lost my train of thought. It had something to do with arranging, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I while you get while you gather that thought, can I just sit, oh can, oh I know can you up, oh, go ahead. Uh, it had to do with uh, being an orchestrator, and which is similar to arranging, although you're taking someone's composition and you're not deciding, you know, to play it in different instruments. And in most cases, when someone's you know, written it. Let's, let's say, I know I'm kind of all over the map, but um, in the eighties or nineties where most composers for film and television will write their compositions on, let's say 12 or 16 lines of staff paper that will be given to an orchestrator because, you know, it takes twice as or three or four times as long to explode that out into an entire score paper for the entire band. So an orchestrator in some cases might take the liberty of, doing you know what i would i now think to do anyway when i'm writing which is you know take the violas and add it to the bassoons or you know understand that a solo cello line works with french horn and things like that sometimes liberties can be taken in that and that's obviously as a composer which is why i'm saying this is where you can kind of learn how different families of instruments work together you know Mm -hmm. as an arranger and with you know and again you know jazz band i would say you know, in high school would be a good opportunity to to dabble in that. Number one, you're not you don't have such a giant ensemble to to tackle. Um, You know, um, I was encouraged when I first got into college and started letting professors know that I was interested in composition to try to, and it sounded crazy and to me, because I wanted to write for full orchestras day one, uh, start writing for a solo instrument, solo flute, solo cello, instruments that can't even play two notes at one time monophonically just write an entire piece and i've done this a couple times where it's like say it's a saxophone piece or solo flute piece and there's no accompaniment it's just you know can you develop an idea that's that sustains the ear um, for a couple minutes and um actually tells a, a musical story of some sort without all the tricks and you know now we're going to repeat it in this section of the, the group or whatever um, so I would say, you know, writing solo pieces and I, again, I know I jumped all over, but that's something to consider writing for your own instrument, um, mm-hmm. for all the folks that are in high school band, write a solo, you know, like an etude, um, or a series of etudes, you know, try, you know, and again, I'm, I'm all over, I'm thinking, you know, as an experiment, assuming that you might come back before the school year's over. Um, coming up with a, a book of 10 or 16 etudes, do one every two weeks or one every, you know, one every week or something like that. Um, a minute of music um, uh, per week or per day. I don't know. 
um, just something that's sustainable, something you can actually do, you know, like you said, writing full symphonies by the end of, you know, this quarantine period, you know, I don't know if this is the, what this is geared toward, but you know, this, this downtime that the, the, the country has, but, um, getting your creative juices flowing is, you know, a step one. Um, and again, like, I know that was all over the map. But. No, no, I, I appreciate that. I, I think there were some good, good things there too, that I didn't think about also, which is, you know, as you were saying, write for your instrument. It doesn't have to be a lot of music either. Yeah. You know, it could be what, eight bars a day, maybe it could be four bars. Mm-hmm. Steve, you were going to jump in with something. Well, the two thoughts that I had, I don't think you're all over the map at all. I thought that was great. Um, two things would be, yeah, one, start with what you know. So, you know, as a trumpet player in high school, the first thing sometimes that I was trying to write, I shouldn't have been trying to write for it. You know, if you're a trumpet player, don't write a double woodwind quintet. Right on the <laughs> you know, write, write a trumpet solo. Um, start if you with, are you know, a double woodwind player, don't write for a double woodwind. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. But, you know, starts starts and start small. I um, I again, I attended another workshop at Midwest a few years back. It was uh, Juilliard 96. And it was all those guys that had started at Juilliard together the same year, Whitaker, Mackey, uh, Jonathan Newman, and Steve Bryan. Um, and Whitaker gave a really cool idea there. And it was about starting a project is, is always exciting, but finishing a project is really hard. So when you're starting, give yourself very na- narrow parameters. Say you're not going to allow the composition to last any longer than 60 seconds and you're not going to use any more than five notes and let that be your guide. Yeah. Yeah, And just, and, and just start there so that you get used to the process of the, the, the whole process of starting something and and getting to the end. And then from there you, you expand, but give yourself narrow, narrow parameters to start and start with what you know. It sounds like everything we learned also in English or math class too, which in math class, you're restricted to a specific formula. And in English class, if you're writing a paper, here's your topic, here's your outline. It has to be three pages. You have to have topic sentences, main ideas, supporting facts, things like that. And so then my question would be, is that as, as artists, I'm sure a lot of us say, you know, or, or maybe people that aren't artists think, oh, everything's just free and you do whatever you want. But where, Steve, you're saying kind of, you know, put some parameters in place, what maybe are some other parameters? So you talked about length, you talked about instruments, you know, would, would maybe a certain key be a parameter, um, you know, modes, things like that. Do, do you think the more parameters that you put in place, the easier it might be for a beginning composer? For me, I think it comes back to starting with what you know. So if if you're not highly skilled in in music theory, trying to do something in Phrygian is probably not the place to, to start. You know, but if, but if you can play a major scale, <laughs> yeah, but if you can play a major scale, start there. And over time you, you study and you learn some things and you add more tools to the box. But I, I would just say starting simple. So if for me as a, as a really lousy piano player, you know, talking about keys, anything that I would have, and, Anything that I kind of still start with starts in C. I'm not not playing in G flat because it's just too hard. And then I get get tied up in the mechanics of it and you lose the creative juice. So, you know, know your technical limits and, and, and start there. 
Jermaine, what are some things that either you notice with yourself uh, in the past or with with other younger composers? What were some uh, maybe weaknesses or or just common mistakes that you see composers make? I'll tell you right now, writing too many notes. I mean, that whole <laughs> too many notes joke of Amadeus, it, it's so true. I mean, I mean, of, of course, you know, writing additional music for, for composers out here has been one of the things that's helped me not only, you know, find opportunities to write music and get compensated for it, um, but also to get feedback from veterans that are doing it on what works well, what they, you know, might think. And then also, of course, they're going to send this off to, you know, um, you know, higher ups and get feedback. Uh, but knowing that um, a lot of the time starting off before, you know, I'm at, I got to the point where I'm at now, um, you know, a lot of it would have to do with, okay, you got so many ideas in here. There's some great ideas. Let's pick one and make it a better idea, a stronger idea, and then actually flush that out. And that, that there's, there's a certain level of coherence that comes, um, with with that with the cue or a small piece of music within a greater context of a score or um uh a composition uh, and also I, you know yeah i've i've had several i mean that's i would say from the early days i would say you know i started around 90 officially around 97 98 composing music and by the time i got to graduate school which is in university of north texas in 2000 I started dabbling because it's such a big jazz school and writing for jazz bands because that was, that's the model. That's the thing. That's what everyone wants to get to the one o'clock lab band and have a piece on the one o'clock lab band album and play in the, play in the band and just have that whole magical trifecta happen. Um, and some people were known to have gotten things read by the one o'clock and, um, also the, all the lab bands are reading charts all the time. But I do remember as I was starting out writing for, jazz bands there because I didn't really compose original music for jazz band before I got to graduate school. Um, when I got there, there was a, a common th thread of just too many ideas, you know, um, and uh, not sticking with something long enough to give someone to, to grab onto. And with songwriting, I don't know if you're going to talk a lot about songwriting or pop music, um, but obviously the hook or the chorus, you know, is what we're hammering home so that people are singing it, you know, in their heads, or that's, that's the story that you're telling. It's, it's about that hook, that melody. And if you've got six different main melodies, um, no, you know, no, I don't even know how the record business works at all, but I just I have a strong feeling that your record not going to get played on the radio or in shopping malls or anywhere that you hope you would hope it would get played if it's got six melodies going on at different times it doesn't really tell tell a cohesive story even within the course of three minutes you want to give someone to chew on that that is a thing and i would say you know a piece of advice is don't worry like if you have all these ideas great that's another song write that other song <laughs> thing like you're, you don't have to get every every idea ever out in the one or two songs that you think you might write in your career like this is you know Composing music is, of course, an art form and something that uh, it obviously can be done well into your, you know, in a wheelchair or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not something that it's going to go away. Like there's somehow we've had 
a lot of original music from the beginning of time or the beginning of sound recordings or the history of composition as we know it up till now there has been there there have been new things happening all the time with the 12 notes that we have uh, you know it's it's not necessary to cram all that into a couple pieces it's funny you say that because and and I like talking with you too because I am not a composer or arranger at all and after talking with you guys, I'll, I'll try to do something. Yeah. But I know with me, at least every time I sit down and I write something, I said, man, this sounds awesome. And I said, oh, I just wrote Don't Stop Believing." <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> and that's just kind of where, where my mind always, always goes with that. Well, a couple couple more questions yeah. then here. Um, you know, the, the first one would be as, as we're kind of, you know, trying to is for anybody that wants to listen to it, but especially, you know, music students. And we're thinking, you know, mainly uh, junior high, high school, college students there. Um, let's maybe get a, a few composer or, or uh, song recommendations, if, if you wouldn't mind. And maybe Jermaine, you could go first, but maybe somebody that's looking at, you know, composing um, either composer or song recommendations or maybe things that inspired you in the past that just come to mind right away that someone could, maybe they're not going to compose, but they're going to go listen to these things and maybe appreciate it on a different level. Uh, man, it's hard. Cause you know, my mind goes straight to film composers. Well, and I, and I know your story a little bit where you, you have told me before that your family went to the movies weekly when you were younger. Yeah. Is that correct? Sometimes twice a week. And uh, in the summers, and I would say in the early, early to late eighties, not so much in the nineties, it started dying off. But we used to go to the drive-in theater as well. Okay, there'd be a point where sometimes it was like you can get three feature films in for the weekend or four. If we went to the drive-in, saw two movies, and then went on Sunday and saw something. Um, it was so what's a what's a piece maybe that you think is going to stick with you forever? You're never going to forget. Yeah, there's this piece. There's a lot, you know. I, I it was funny. I was watched a movie that might be <laughs> inappropriate to recommend, but the movie Stripes. Did you ever see that with Bill Murray? Bill Murray, Harold Ramis. Yeah, Elmer Bernstein did that score, and I remember watching. You know that, and then thinking. You know, I didn't get it back then, but like, there's all these themes that Elmer's using that really clearly explain the story of you know, this character that's kind of down on his luck in the beginning. And by the time you get to the, the military stuff in the movie, there's these full on military marches that sound so grandiose. And like, you know, they have just like goodwill behind it. You just want to stick your chest out. There's almost like this patriotism behind it. And you don't even know why you're feeling that way. Um, Elmer Bernstein, I'll throw him out there. Of course, John Williams is not only my favorite. He's probably one of the most popular composers to ever live. Um, so there's, there's like a, a wellspring of pieces that you could, you know, t st tumble down the rabbit hole of just finding things that you didn't know, you know, 80 scores that he was writing, you know, that no one saw the movie or whatever, you know, even, I mean, early eighties scores. There's a, uh, it's one, uh, I can't remember the, I can't even remember the names of some of these obscure stuff. I have a, like a record collection behind this camera of things that I just found of his just because, I felt like I needed to try at some point to try to to have his entire collection of the obscure stuff. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of I don't know classical composers. I mean Aaron Copland, 
And even uh, pop music is, is fine too. Pop music, look, I want to throw out a couple of things that I think are like staples. Like the Beatles, like it's just a, and we talk about this all the time. Like almost every genre of music, like it's, you know, folks are constantly talking about how they, some of the greatest songwriters, uh, craftsmen of all time. And it, I didn't discover them fully until probably about 10 or so years ago. Um, there's a point where like, there's a, a movie that was in theaters and like my wife's dad is a huge fan. And he, we got him the, I think it was the white book. There was something that was happening where it was like a lot of Beatles was circulating. I started it was probably, reading. was it the across the universe movie? Yeah, that was, was the movie. That was okay. around, whatever year that was, is the year yeah. I kind of stumbled down the, the rabbit hole of listening to how they would take very simple melodies and they would be shifting harmonies and they would do things with mis- mixed meter all the time that you wouldn't think to do. And it sounded inevitable every time. Like, and I, I know that a lot of, some of that stuff is, you know, of course, genius. You can't really explain some of that stuff, but some of it is also working and reworking an idea until it does sound like it was supposed to be that way. John Williams talks about coming back to pieces that he's written a week before and reworking it over and over and over again, which inspires me to know that not everything has to be this amazing, brilliant idea that comes out. The first version of it is the version that's going to like, you know, people are going to be singing this and crying. You know, it, sometimes things need to be developed over time. You know? hmm. um, Mr. Piter, what, uh, what recommendations do you have? Some, some suggested Stephen Piter listening. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody in particular that I would say, if you want to learn to be a composer, listen to this person. I sure. think I think some of the best advice I've gotten is um, try to listen to a lot of different music of a lot of different styles um, and find what speaks to you. And so when I try to write, um, particularly when I'm stuck, uh, sometimes the thing I have to think is what what creates an emotional response in me? What's the music that I'm most passionate about? And then not trying to copy and or, or mimic those people, but thinking about what is it about that music that I find inspiring and what can I take from that and incorporate into my own voice. And man, John Williams is, is right up there. Um, I had the, the, the chance, you know, I've not met him, um, but just seeing him conduct his own music in concert a couple of times and at Orchestra Hall in Chicago two years ago, seeing him come out. And when he starts that Superman march, I mean, and I am not in the best physical shape. I think I can fly. (laughs) And so within just a couple of notes, you just are transported to this place and this feeling and that, that that's what I look for. I, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to create a certain emotional character or feeling, I try to find music that creates that for me. Um, and that can be, you know, totally different depending on the mood. But, um, what I love about Williams, yeah, is his stuff is just obviously so iconic, but his tunes are awesome. And I personally love music that has melody that there's minimalist music and, all sorts of music, you know, that, that, um, is inspiring, but something that has a, has a nice tune, um, and that can be developed, uh, is I find beautiful. And one, one, one thing I try to do, um, Jermaine, you mentioned this earlier, 
you, sometimes you have to boil your ideas down and you might have six great ideas and you just have to focus it in. And so I'll try to think about maybe one tune, but give myself an exercise of writing five short variations on that tune. doesn't have to be harmonized, but just finding ways to, uh, in, in rhythm, maybe in mode, uh, in some way, just turning it on its side, inverting it, coming up with ways to, to expand on and develop a particular theme. And I think that's one of the things that Williams does, you know, incredibly well. And I love, I love pop music. Um, I love Motown. Um, so like, I, I just watched a documentary on HBO about the, the, the whole process of how, you know, Gordy built that company and what it became and just the process of how they would write a song and create an artist and the, the tunes that they came up with, um, you know, are, are iconic. And so there's, there's lots of music from all different kinds of genres that I find inspired. You know, it's funny. One thing, oh, go ahead. Uh, just because just in case anyone hasn't seen it, it's, I mean, everyone has Netflix, but the, I think it's called Q documentary that's on Netflix. Um, I think it's, or Quincy. It's about Quincy Jones's life. Um, one of the reasons I think that is so important is it covers so many decades of music as we know it in this country. And then also his depth of, um, it's, it's just very comprehensive showing his early beginnings, how he, and why, you know, emotions and feelings like why, you know, in terms of being an artist, how that connected to his artistry and also going abroad and studying with different folks in the world, um, and leading bands in different parts of the world that led him to arranging and also overseeing parts of music business, which also influenced the way he thought about actually approaching writing. Um, arranging was so huge for him, but, you know, also being, you know, his own artist with his own solo albums was like a whole thing at a certain point. He, he, he didn't even, it's like, he didn't even think that that was a thing that he should do, but like all of a sudden he was doing it. And then back to, doing this other thing. And now he's doing like, whether it be magazines or TV show producing, like it's so comprehensive and touching so many different facets of the music industry and culture as we know it. Um, Highly recommend it. Absolutely. Well, and and I think the great thing about these recommendations too, is, is that now we actually have the time to focus our attention completely towards that. And one of the things I'll always recommend to to my kids at school is sit down, put some headphones on and listen to an album uninterrupted. Mm. And and of course you get the responses that you think, which is, I don't have time. I've I've got this going on. I've got this, I've got this activity. And and now uh, potentially we, we have time uh, for that. And and, Yeah, for a while. And, and and Steve, going back to what you were saying, where it's like John Williams plays a Superman theme and you think you're flying there. I think that is, is absolutely. And I put on my blue spandex. I mean, I close my eyes and pretend. Uh, but but it really is. It, it shows the, the power of just good art form and, and what it can do um, for people. So I think then this kind of to wrap this up, what I'd love to to hear is 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 maybe what's what's kind of the do now part of this and and here's what i took from today here's what i think talking to both of you that um 
music students or musicians could do right now to put something like this in place. And and both of you make money making music. We're not necessarily trying to make more. Uh, <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're not trying to make more, you know, um, published band composers or, or Hollywood composers necessarily, but we're trying to, you know, expand our, our, our musical experiences and, and uh, maybe get some people dabbling in this. But what I took from this today, something that people could do right now, if they've got an instrument at home, they could maybe find a, a Beatles tune or another tune that they like and, and work that tune out on their instrument. You know, that, that would probably be a, a worthwhile um, activity to do. If they have a piano at home, they could plunk out uh, a tune and, and maybe, as, as both of you were, were saying, get some parameters around that. On that. I'm going to make a tune with four notes, and that's it. What are um, maybe some other things that either one of you could think about that, that someone could do right now? They're not going to write a symphony, but maybe they could get this program or, one, or do something. One thing on my, my phone, which... I don't even know if you're going to be able to see this, but you know, of course I'm working on this. Well, was working until we came to a screeching halt. It's coming to America. There's a, a lot of ideas on my phone. I'm going to see if you can see this. Yeah. A lot of these are just called new recording. I've got a list of those. Has to, has, is this a reason for feeling like, you know, I don't want anyone to know what it is that I'm working on. If sure. My phone. Um, but you gotta be getting ideas, figure out what's going to help you get it out quickly. You know, okay. a lot of these aren't me. I mean, my keyboards here, um, like sometimes he's flex in this office. Look at that. What's that? <laughs> I said, you're flexing your office there. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, so I have this here. A lot of the times in my secrets sequencer is over here. I don't even, you know, go to that when I'm actually trying to come up with something that's, going to be good right away sure like I will actually figure it out and like you're saying steve sometimes the the limitations of what you can do on keyboard they they rear their heads um but uh you can at least get something out quickly like in here i have like a hard recording of something that maybe it was like stuck in my head or is the the nucleus for the real idea that's going to come later um, and you can work it out or get parts of it out and listen to that recording immediately. Like it's here. You can listen to it on your phone at night before you sleep in the morning. And if you don't, like if you don't that, have an instrument, you can even just take So you're saying if you've got I'm an whistling iPhone, I'm whistling. you can whistle. Okay. I'm humming, I'm whistling. Sometimes I'm tapping. Like there's a lot of percussion in this movie that I'm doing. Sometimes I, I just want to get a rhythm out quickly. Sure. Just tap it out. Like, and you know, I can sequence and program, get it all right and quantize it. So it's neat. But sometimes I need to get, the gist of the idea out quick as quick as I can, you know, so having a sequencer isn't always, I mean, I think for, for students in school, if you don't have finale or Sibelius or Ableton, most people have a phone and, you know, I don't know how advanced they are with writing on five lines or writing melodies out, but um, paper and a phone like can get something out that is like, copyrightable material that's yours that you own <laughs> you know it's it's something that you created you know and no one can take that away from you great great steve what do you think um you know i would just say that the first thing is just start somewhere um, even if you're not feeling incredibly inspired sometimes you just start putting things on paper and the inspiration can come as you go um 
the development process, uh, for, for me, I personally, I just work slowly. And so don't get discouraged if you feel like you get to a point where you hit a wall. It's okay to just walk away um, and, and come back. A lot of the time when I walk That's away. That's a song lyric right there. It's okay to just walk away. That's my contribution. <laughs> hey, hey, all right, there you go. But, but just walk <laughs> just walk away. <laughs> now I'm starting to hear it in my head. It's the corniest tune. That's okay. Um, yeah. I already copywrote it, copywritten it, copyrighted it. Okay. All right. But yeah, just walk away. And a lot of the time what I'll do is if I'm working on something at my computer, I'll save an MP3 of it and just upload it into Google Drive. So I've got it on my phone and I'll I'll go for a walk or just sit on the couch with it and just let it stew for a while. I, I love Aaron Sorkin. Um, for those of you that don't know him, he's a writer. He, he wrote Social Network. Uh, West Wing, the TV show, American President, lots of great stuff. Um, and he, he has said, I love this quote, that his writing process a lot of the time looks like watching ESPN. Um, and I am not at all an athletic person, but like it, I can identify with sometimes walking away from an idea for a while is more productive for me. Mm-hmm. Just giving it a little bit of breathing room and and thinking. Um, and I used to get really frustrated when I would get stuck. And now I look at those places where I'm stuck and I actually get excited by the challenge of the creative process of how to get through it and move on to the next thing. Um, and the last part is just, just finish something, whether it's a four bar tune or a four minute work, start, start small, but just get it done. Um, Again, I don't know where I heard it, but I saw something about writing and it was, you don't know how many people in Hollywood have 75% of a screenplay written. Uh, mm. it, and it's, <laughs> you know, every everybody's got 75% of a screenplay. <laughs> just finish it. Even if you're not really happy with it, just getting through that process and feeling like you could get to the end of something um, and then getting it out there for feedback and letting some people who you think will be honest with you and constructive, um, get it, get it out there. Don't be afraid to let other people in on what you're doing and, and, you know, help, help you get it to a place where you feel comfortable saying, okay, that that's done. I can, I can check that box. It's done. Excellent. Can I well, one more yeah, thing. Go ahead. Sorry. The masterclass series. Oh, yeah. In this, if anyone uh, has uh, an inkling to, uh, watch folks that are creative talk about their process. Oh, what a, a wonderful rabbit hole to tumble down. Um, cause when you said Aaron Sorkin, it reminded me of that because he has a master class and he talks about his process of getting ideas out. So does uh, Quincy Jones, doesn't he? Oh, uh, Quincy, well, I know uh, Herbie Hancock has Herbie one. Herbie Hancock has one. Uh, Hans Zimmer has one. Hans Zimmer. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, the ones that are writers, like it's just so cool to see them talk about being creative, you know, um, there's even cooking ones that I haven't gotten to, but when I discover this thing, like, wow, it's, they really go deep into their process of getting things out, these things out and making mistakes and not, you know, being okay, finding a safe place to make these mistakes so you can get the idea out. Um, I don't work for them. I don't know why I plug that, but instead Aaron, <laughs> I thought about that. Cause I was like, oh, that guy is brilliant. Bob Iger well, out of Disney. He's got one on there. 
Yeah, and John, what you were saying about if you don't have this or you don't have that, just watching the trailer for Hans Zimmer's Masterclass, which oh, again, yeah. I, don't, I don't own stock or anything, says, <laughs> you know, the, the next great idea is going to come from some kid yeah. with an iPad. Yeah. You know, so, so much of what used to uh, be really sophisticated and rare is is at your fingertips on a lot of things that we already have in front of us. Great. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today and, and expertise. And uh, anybody listening, uh, like we said at the beginning, I hope you're inspired to to do something creative and, and fulfilling uh, with your musical lives during this time here. So thanks again. Hey, can, I, can I make a quick request? Absolutely. Um, I'm listening to you too, and you both have these really nice radio voices. Can you yeah. increase the low end on my voice so I don't sound like Mickey Mouse? Through this Absolutely. whole thing, because I hear Don Absolutely. and I hear Jermaine, yeah. and I'm like, okay, that's this. Post production. <laughs> <laughs> what if yeah, I mess, I mess it up that's, and it turns into a helium I'll voice? I'll tell you how to do it. Tell him, Don. You yelling at your kids all day. <laughs> yeah, you get that. <laughs> I don't have them. Here, I'll, I'll bring some over after. I need some EQ. All right, all right gentlemen. Good to see you both. Take right, care. Good to see you guys too. Take care. All right. Bye.